Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today we got Noah Kagan. I don't invite many marketers on the podcast, but I like Noah because he says it like it is. And I thought we could bounce some ideas and share some tips with each other. So the idea of that podcast today, Noah, is that we are at a conference at a bar at around 11 p.m. There was an open bar. We each had three or four drinks. So we're not really drunk, but we're, you know, drunk enough to talk too much when we need to, when we shouldn't, you know, and we're a little bit cocky about the tactics we use and we try to prove to each other we're better than the other one, right? So that is the context, Noah. But before we do that, you're actually going to introduce yourself for the few people that probably don't know you yet, right? Well, I'm drunk, so I'm probably slurring. <laughs> I'm actually sober these days, which sounds like I drink a lot, but no, I'm just doing a month of clean, which actually my work and uh, clarity has been on on fire lately. Yeah, Noah Kagan, early at Facebook, early at Mint.com, did all the marketing, and then I started AppSumo.com, which is a free Groupon for geeks, so for all the listeners that want cool deals on software. And then our main product now is Sumo.com, which are free marketing tools for small business owners to become big business owners, mostly around uh, growing your email list and lead capture. That's Sumo.com. And then I do have my podcast. You said, don't mention too much stuff in your full <laughs> accent. If you want more to hear from me, it's Noah Kagan Presents Podcast. Just go search it on iTunes or Google Play. I'll be honest, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'll check it out, actually. Just a quick tip. Can I give a stupid tip for everyone out there? Go for it. And Gail, you can, it's your show. You can tell me to shut up anytime you Go like. Go for it. <laughs> so I did, like, and I've been doing this, Gail, you should do it as well. And a lot of people think, oh, now you're more experienced and like you, you have to do bigger things. A lot of times I do smaller things. So I met someone at the gym yesterday and I said, hey, do you listen to my podcast? They said no. So I said, get out your phone right now and let's subscribe to it. And sometimes you got to go back to one customer by one customer when either you're having a good day or bad day. And it's, uh, I, I never want to forget that. And I want to remind your audience, just like for Gail, get out your phone, Noah Kagan presents, and maybe you subscribe. I actually just turned my phone in uh, in plain mode because some people complained there was notifications during the podcast, actually. So I'll do it right after, I promise, though. But that's a good thing for a lot of people out there. Just I, I agree. It's like we do the same. Like in our autoresponder, we actually ask people to like reply with what their main problem is, etc. And it takes me an incredible amount of time to get back to people. But in the end, we get a real relationship. And I see a lot of these people become customers in the end. So I think it pays off. Anyway, was that your first tip or do you want to start with your real first tip? By the way, the three tips we should go for, and that's the one that I asked you to do, is one should be a traffic hack, one should be an engagement hack, and one should be a conversion hack. So I'll let you get started with the traffic hack if you have one. Yeah. So I actually put together three for each of these, two to All three right. for each, because I thought your audience should get more. And these are things I haven't really shared publicly. Maybe I've like talked to friends about it, but I haven't really put a lot out there because I wanted to make sure I gave you stuff that you're like, damn, that was pretty surprising. So here's for traffic. One of the main things that I've had a lot of success with with uh, my podcast as well as with Sumo is doing co-promotion with free products. So what the hell does that mean? So exactly what I'm doing is I'll go out to companies and I say, hey, I love your product. Can I use it and give it away to people? And so I did it with my podcast launch where I just emailed my favorite companies and I was like, look, I'm going to promote it to a big audience. And so if you have a small audience, just say, hey, I have an audience. A lot of times they actually don't even check. And so you just say, I have an audience. You get free products. And that's a way that you can give that out to people to listen to your show or check out your product. As well as if you're a software company like Sumo, we've done two things that have worked really well. If you buy Sumo, we'll give you someone else's free product. Because for them, they get free lead gen and exposure at no cost. 
And you can also do like a bundle. So like if you buy Sumo, you can get like 10 free, you know, buy Sumo.com, you can get 10 free other tools for free. So co-promotion and partnerships with free products is just like something that people aren't doing what at all, like whatsoever. I haven't seen, I've seen a little bit of here and there, but I think there's a big opportunity there. Number two for traffic is update your email signature. So I know that sounds stupid, but like if you update your email signature once a week, I don't think people realize, and I've said this a little bit, but I have, I do it myself and we have our team. So we have almost 40 people at sumo.com. Everyone has an email signature for our jobs page. And every person generally in America, email in the world, excuse me, emails 50 people a, week, a day, 50 to 100 a day. So 50 times 365 is 15,000 people now that are seeing your email signature. So, but the point is also you have to update it weekly so that people don't get kind of numb to it. Here's number three, and this is another kind of one by one. I think sometimes with marketing and traffic, I like scalable stuff, but sometimes you also have to do kind of like rudimentary one by one. So when we're doing sales now for sumo.com with our marketing tools, we actually went one by one through my LinkedIn contacts. I think it was 5,000 people. But if you think about how valuable a customer could be, we did that for every single person. And we've actually now set up, I don't know, 30 to 50 plus demos that can potentially sell thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. The last traffic one, this actually comes back to my podcast launch that I was, it was nicely to be reminded. The last, and you know, a lot of these are like, oh, I, I haven't done that in a while. So ultimately, and I'll give you one more, but ultimately one thing I want everyone to think about is that look and reflect on what marketing you've done in the past three or six months that has worked. And I'm promising you, you could do more of it or you probably stop doing it. And that's true for me. And that's true for almost every one of the people that has us up in their ear canal. The last thing that I, I was surprised about, and it was a nice reminder to see during my launch, is that if you're asking people for any type of help, you have to do all the work for them. Now, what the hell does that mean? So when I was doing the launch, I gave people literally exact email scripts that they could literally just copy and paste to their, their audience. I gave them the text script as well as a, a tweet script, excuse me. And I gave them a calendar invite. So it was like, hey, at this time, I sent you a calendar invite via Google Calendar. Please do this action. Uh, and then I tracked it in a, a Google spreadsheet. And, it, you know, a lot of people, and they were amazing. I really appreciated them. Actually emailed out the exact script with the links and everything the way I wanted it. Because uh, I made it easy for them to make those choices and give me the traffic. Yeah, I agree on doing stuff for people. I mean, first of all, you know, we have a uh, community called Atari Hacker Pro where we actually build templates for people for their online business. So it's like, hey, copy paste online business. Here's how to do a promo email. Here's to do how to do all that stuff. And that's the most popular. When we have affiliates, every time that we actually build an email with the actual affiliate link of the affiliate, like we actually one by one or like we do some dynamic injection totally. of the affiliate ID you know, we get two times more emails, etc. So that works really well. I like the giveaway as well. We do that a lot. Like usually before Authority Hacker Pro launches, we take all the tools that we use in the course and then we email them and ask them to give us a copy to give away. And we often end up with like $5,000 of stuff to give away. And, you know, now we have an okay audience, but I did that when we had like 500 email subscribers and I still had $5,000 of stuff to give away. So you're right on the fact that people don't actually check the audience much, but most importantly, the marginal cost for the software company is zero anyway. So it doesn't matter for them and it's free advertising and they don't have to do the advertising. The one thing that I found that worked well with the giveaways is that if you email them a detailed promotion plan for the giveaway. So if you say, you're going to have a link on this page, on the thank you page, on the thank you email, I'm going to email 300 people, etc. That worked exceptionally well for us. But I see hmm. you did that with your podcast as well, but that allowed me to, as a really small time blogger that nobody knew, sell it because 
it was very professional. I could exactly outline all the, outline all the tactics I was going to use, etc. And it convinced a lot of people. And then once I had a few on board, I just had to say, hey, these other companies on board. And if it's their competitors, totally. then it's like, then they're all in, you know, it's, that's how you do it. But yeah, that works well, really well. I- I want to just emphasize what you said and repeat it because sometimes I've noticed when I listen to podcasts, I'm like, man, I needed to hear that a few times to really sink in. Mm-hmm. A lot of people may, they're like, well, Noah or Gail have somewhat of a, an audience, right? I don't have anything. I'm just starting out. So what I actually did when I started AppSumo was I did what you're exactly saying was I emailed companies. I said, hey, I'm putting together a group and all of you are going to be a part of it, right? And I'm just the hub. And so all the group now, because they don't know me, but they know this other company, were more likely to actually do the promotion because they were a part of something. Another kind of thing that worked well for AppSumo in the beginning was let email people and say, can you just email people that haven't bought anything from you? Mm. Right. There's no downside because you basically you have to think this person is very selfish. How do I make it worth it for them? I'm like, well, they haven't bought shit from you, so it doesn't really hurt you to actually promote something that you're a part of. And so that those are kind of two things. One bundle it if you can't do a direct relationship with them to make it have them do it so that they can uh, email their people that they're not as sensitive about and three this is one of the surprising things that I, that I noticed during launch is that if you're looking to work with someone like you have to start six months ahead of time so gal like I want to work with authority hacker and I wanted to connect with you so I was like I'm going to promote you on my blog I want to like help you guys with this and I, I want to work with you guys on certain things and in six months, we may do something big together. But I think people start way too late. It's like I always think of it like a garden. They put the seed in the ground and then they try to eat the seed. I'm like, you can't. You got to water it and plant it and all that other stuff. Uh, I'm going to admit we make that mistake still frequently. We're like, we'll have that launch like in six months and we like have all these other stuff to do. And you're like, oh, yeah, I have time, etc. Then like two weeks before the launch, oh, shit, I need to go email these people, etc. And I must say we've missed out on a lot of opportunities by not preparing ahead so i'm definitely going to take that advice and plan that a little bit earlier but i don't i totally agree for having been in a situation where i missed out for not doing it anyway i'm going to share my tip now because yeah uh, yeah please i want to learn all right i only have one but it is uh it, it is quite in depth so here's the deal there is a problem people have facebook pages with a lot of fans and getting fans on facebook is not very complicated you can you know put it in your email so you can sure you said it you can put a you know button on your site, etc. There is a lot of ways to get Facebook fans. The problem is these days, it's hard to reach these fans. You know, you post an update and you see like a hundred people have seen it, and you have like thousands of fans. And you're like, well, that doesn't work really well. Well, still, Facebook is the number one social referral. So that's the number one social network referring the most traffic to websites these days. But they do like advertisers. There's another thing that to know is that when you do Facebook advertising, essentially the return on investment for your dollar spent is logarithmic, which means the first dollar is the most productive dollar you will ever spend on your Facebook ads. And after that, it is diminishing return for every single dollar you spend. Depending on return on investment, the point of return, uh, the amount of you need to spend will be different. But what I want to say is that I've found amazing results by putting a single dollar between behind every single post on Facebook for boosting it, right? The one thing I do is I do one dollar boost and all it does is Facebook tries to get engagement. So it gets, tries to get likes, it tries to get comments, etc. for a dollar. It costs nothing less than email marketing. And the reason I say a dollar is because a lot of people, you know, they say they don't really have too much money for Facebook ads, etc. It's going to cost you less than an email marketing tool, essentially, if you do that. So it's definitely worth it. What happens is like, you, sorry? Yeah, how do you know it's worth it? 
That's one thing. Cause I boost some of my stuff and I'm like, I think it's good, but how do you well, tell that the, uh, the boost is I'm going to keep going actually. So what you do is you put your first dollar behind it and then usually you see if you got some action. Usually I actually took some posts that flopped and then I boosted for $1, like, you know, three days later, just to actually feel the difference of the boost versus not boost. And I could see that it actually picked back up and I got like 10 times the reach from that. It doesn't work every time, but it works pretty frequently. Now, for the ones that do work, for the ones where you actually see organic reach being at least half of, you know, the whole reach because you get some reach with paid and some reach with organic. For these ones, what I do then is I actually put a little bit more money behind it, maybe like $10, $20, and I increment that. So every time I double it. So I start with $1, then maybe $5, then maybe $10, then maybe $20, then maybe $40, etc. As long as it works for me, as long as I see that I'm getting, you know, at least as much engagement as, as I had for the total I spent so far. So like, you know, if I'm at, if I spent $5, I'm going to 10, then I want to see at least as much engagement as I got for five for 10, because we know there's a, le- a return investment that's slower, mm. right? But one thing that I've noticed as well is that the posts that get the most clicks on Facebook are the ones that have a lot of engagement. So a lot of likes, a lot of comments, right? Now, what we mm. know, what we know is that a click on Facebook has very different price, whether that person is in the US, in California, or they are in India or Thailand or China or whatever. You know, like I'm talking like the cost per click is going to be a hundred times lower in these cheaper countries. However, the engagement, it doesn't really matter. So what I do when I see a post work well is I actually boost it for engagement in the countries where the clicks are cheap. So it doesn't cost me much. For 10 bucks, I can get, you know, 50 likes, 60 likes, 70 likes and some comments, etc. And then after I have that, I have to have that social proof. I boost that post for click to my site in the countries where my customers are. And that allows... Dude, that was good. I hope people fucking took... I took... Look at that. I'm taking notes. That's a great one. So that is... Sorry? No, I'm just like, dude, I'm like slow clapping that one. That's good. I like that one. Yeah, it just allows you... Like, because Facebook... They don't necessarily optimize it that way. And, you know, if you run different campaigns on the same post, it's essentially going to do that. I would first run engagement, then I would run clicks because then you have the social proof. And nobody's going to click on the likes to see where the likes come from. I mean, it's going to be, it's pretty unlikely, right? And at the same time, you're not buying likes on Fiverr or doing anything dodgy with your page, which is good. And No, it's legit. I love that. And if I look at like the clicks we get from doing that, so we do that for our launches, we do that for like big blog posts, etc. And usually we get up to twice more clicks from ads spending 50 bucks than we get from our entire email list doing that. Actually, our email list is not as big as yours, Noah, so it would probably cost you a little bit more money to reach that. We are at 35,000 emails, I think, right now. Quality, not quantity is my I know, but like, it's just to give you an idea because the reach in Facebook is definitely going to cost a different price. So are you using a custom audience of your email list and then target the international people from that custom audience? Yeah. So uh, in terms of a custom audience, I use the email list and I use the site for 90 days usually. That's great. Can I add two other things to this? I really like what you said. This is a weird one. I'll do the normal one and I'll do the weird one. One thing that I think you could do, and I don't know if you guys are already doing this, are you testing a lot of your titles of your articles through Facebook ads or Facebook dark or like through Twitter to see like what kind of ads get best engagement and then re-updating your titles? To be honest, I'd like to do that more. I've done it like experimentally, but it's not something that's built into the daily process, I would say. 
you know, we can talk about this at the end. There's certain things that I think are micro and macro wins, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's kind of a micro win, but at the same time, if you're only putting out one article a month and your articles are important, that title and subject line of your emails can make a huge difference. It just depends on how important those are. The second one, and this is kind of a weirder one. Let me try to explain it. Someone gave us an idea. I pay someone else to run ads to their people to an article I put on their site. That welcome to our launch strategies. <laughs> is this something that you guys have talked well, about? Well, it's like for affiliates and stuff. It's a really good way. Like think about it as well for affiliate, for launches and affiliates, right? Imagine if you actually pay the ads for your affiliates to your launch and they put an affiliate link as well. Your return can still be very high, but your reach is amazing, you know, and the cost per click is still much lower than if you went to a cold audience. And it comes from yeah, their so page the, as well. Well, so the idea there originally was that like, let's say, you know, me and you are friends. Obviously, we're becoming friends. We're, we're still on the, you know, on the friendship level where two. But like, let's say you have a good relationship with someone who has somewhat of a fan base or wants a fan base. You actually put your sponsor article through their account so they get the likes, but it reaches their audience. And for them, it's like, cool, they get get more likes on new people and then you get the clicks from them. Exactly. Uh, and it grows their, their Facebook post. page as well because every ad has a like button. So if they run it from their Facebook page, it actually grows their yeah. organic So it's good for them. Like it's a no brainer for them. They're like, you're going to buy ads and grow my Facebook page for free. And then you get the traffic to you from a new kind of audience. Yeah. I actually haven't done that one yet. That's one I'm going to experiment with. I am actually amazed that there is no marketplace for retargeting. Like, you know, you have buy sell ads for normal advertising, etc. But I mean, at least I don't know of any of them, but like a marketplace for retargeting would be an amazing startup, you know? Imagine if you could trade retargeting well, you, you can do it on perfect audience. And we've done that in the past, but we did it manually where we went to a few very large and popular sites where we knew our customers were and we put our pixel there. Yeah. So you can do that. And it was actually very profitable. And then we paid the person monthly to just pixel his people. I'm just amazed that there's no institutionalized marketplace for that at this point. Like, I think people anything. are just like protective of their customers, which makes a lot of sense. Like, if you were like, "Hey, can we pixel every Sumo me, you know, Sumo.com customer?" I'm like, nah. sure, but I'm talking more like think of like a greatest.com or MindBodyGreen, like any kind of like you know publication that makes money with advertising. I don't see why they wouldn't classify that as another type of advertising. Yeah, potentially. Anyway, like if someone wants to start a startup, go ahead. <laughs> We're going to go jump onto the engagement hacks now. So I'll let you go first again. Sure. So if you guys want to increase your engagement, I've got two and a half things for engagement. Number one, and this is one is an an easy one, and I think a lot of you guys may already do it, but it's probably you've overcomplicated. The easiest way to build engagement is to just talk to all of your customers and you're like, well, how the hell do I do that? So I do it in an autoresponder. And a lot of you guys already know this one, but maybe your autoresponder sucks. And so what that means is that whenever someone subscribes to okdork.com, the first email, I only ask one thing. The email is like, hey, thank you so much. And my question is, what is one thing I could write about that would make your day better? And I put it in bold and a question mark and I say hit reply. And I say, I'll read every single email. I can't reply to every email. And in the beginning, especially if you have probably less than 10,000 subscribers, I would actually reply to every single person. And that's what I did in the beginning. And I still now will spot check and reply. Like today, I I replied to a guy with a link to a a group, a Facebook group. So that one has really helped me with engagement. Number two is having live chat, especially if, again, if you have a small audience or a high priced product. I've built so many friends that are now friends. And the best way to to make them friends is add them on Skype or Slack uh, or Gtalk or AIM if you're still using that. But that's been a great way is transferring them to a more real-time communication, WhatsApp. And then lastly, and I got two more, in your autoresponder, I'll save the autoresponder one for your idea because you did that in your outro podcast. Can you mention that? The one with the review? Yeah, because yeah. like, you can do that as an engagement thing. I guess it's not really engagement. Mm, it uh, it does. I mean, it's like they're part of your audience and you're getting them to take a non-monetary action. That's how I usually 
relate as engagement. So, yeah. Well, and I'll, I'll let you talk about that one if you want. The last thing for engagement that I would recommend is host a free monthly workshop, right? And you can do this. You're like, well, no, I don't know what to host a workshop on. So that's even better. Just have no agenda and make it very clear. This is what I'll do is I'll say it's a no pitch workshop because a lot of times webinars now people are trained that something's going to be sold. And so it's a great way to kind of engage like your true fans and the people who really want to connect with you. And then when they join or when they're uh, registering for it on like go to webinar or, or webinar ninja, just be like, hey, what's one thing you want me to answer for you? Create the agenda or when they show up, just be like, hey, what if what things do you want to learn? You make the agenda right there and then you go through it for an hour. And that's the kind of thing where people are like, man, this company or this person uh, really cares just about what we're doing and, and you can engage with them. I think what I've noticed with the fans, especially as I've done this for so long, is that there's like kind of three categories and the ones that really the one that really matters is like your loyalists, like your VIPs. And so it's like, how do you turn people into rabid fans? And it's through engagement, it's through connecting with them in direct mediums and then doing kind of even like the workshop thing where they're like, man, I really know this person. I really trust this person. How would you integrate? Like, how does Facebook Live and all these things go with the webinar? Does that replace that now? Like, you know, it's kind yeah. of new, so. I think everyone, well, not I think, everyone needs to figure out which medium they feel most comfortable on and what they're most effective on. Like, I don't really want to be on Facebook all the time. I find it too distracting. That's why I removed social apps from my phone. And like, it's weird when you take social apps off your phone. I challenge you to do that for everyone listening. You're like, wow, I'm not fucking around in line anymore. I'm like, when like I'm talking to Gael, I'm actually listening. I don't really particularly like Facebook Live. Hmm. I found like webinars to be a little bit better. It's a little more organized. People... It's kind of like more structured around it. The other thing is like it's scheduled. I guess I don't know, maybe you can do it on Facebook Live. And then I like Snapchat. I find that's kind of a lighter way without having to be so formal to connect with my audience. Yeah, okay. I mean, what I like about the, the webinar versus Facebook Live is like on Facebook Live, like you could just be scrolling your timeline and just jump like you, you're not really committed to it. It just went towards you. Whereas for the totally. webinar... You signed up, you know, you're like, hey, I'm going to show up. I'm marking it on my calendar. So the people that show up, I would guess I'm much higher quality on webinars. Um, well, they're there for a reason. Like on Facebook, I loved your point. I'm repeating your points because they're so damn good. <laughs> it's exactly that. Like you're there for two minutes. You're not there expecting to be there for 30 minutes or an hour to really uh, associate with someone or hang out with someone. Okay. I'm going to jump to my hack. And that one is going to be something that is complementary to your email newsletter. So for each hack, I kind of like try to identify a common problem that happens in 2017. The problem these days is that, you know, most emails go into the promotion folder or like a lot of people do email marketing and people like have a one button to archive all promo emails at once now. It makes it, email works and it's very profitable. Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you don't reach people like you did in 2000 with email. You know, it's, people are not as excited anymore. And so what I like to do and something that we've done in quote unquote beta, but haven't redeployed yet on Atari Hacker, so you won't see it, but I've run tests and it worked really well. It is to complement that with actually what we call an, a retargeting autoresponder. And so essentially that allows you to create a sequence of ads that is evergreen that you're going to show to people that just subscribe to your newsletter. And the way it works is, you know, on Facebook, you can create these custom audiences that say, oh, people that have been, you know, three days on your on your website, on your page since three days, on your page since six days, seven days, eight days, etc. So let's imagine we want to do 
a new ad every three days showing, uh, introducing yourself. So like things that you can put is like your best content, your about us, like what you're about, some testimonials. And what I liked the most that I tried and it worked really well was evergreen funnels with like evergreen scarcity and special offers. And so what you do is you create your ad for people that are, for example, in the audience that where they have been signing up for three days, but you exclude the people that are in the audience that have been signed up for six days. So essentially what happens is your ad only shows for people between one to three. And then as soon as they jump into the audience where they have signed up for more than three days, because that's how it works, it, it, they evolve in the audience, then they go in negative audience for that. It doesn't show the ad, it shows the next one, etc. And so you can build a sequence of ads that once again, you do once. It, it's a little bit of a of a mindfuck to actually set it up because you need, it, it works with negative audiences, but it works really well. And so it allows you to create an onboarding that works together with your email. So you can choose to, this one I haven't tested, to either put the same links that you would put in your email or something complementary. But usually it allows you to show your best content, show your about us, show testimonials, etc. And it allows you to be exposed to people a lot more through pretty cheap retargeting. Once again, you know, we're looking at like 20 cents a click or like 15 cents a click when you do that. So it's very cheap because people already know your brand. And if you have a proper branding on your site, they recognize your page, etc. And if you couple that with things like, as I said, evergreen funnels, which we won't have time to get into today because that is like a two-hour podcast already. That got me really good engagement for my site. And it's automatic. It's very cheap. And it works. Dude, I, you're on fire. Keep going. <laughs> well, that was my tip, essentially. But essentially, you can do the broadcast version of that. So we do that for launches. So when we do a launch, we publish, like for the week before, we usually publish a piece of content every day. So that is much easier, right? You can take everyone that went on your site for 180 days and just blast that, that content to them, essentially. Training them at clicking on your ads, but it's content for a week. And usually when we started, uh, last launch, when we started, it was around 20 cents per click. At the end, when we actually launched the product, people could buy it. We just replaced the ads with ads that looked exactly similar, but they were for the sales page, right? Well, by that time, it went from 20 cents per click to 5 cents per click, right? Just because we trained people with the same, you know, graphic design, graphic elements, etc., they would recognize it. And for a week, they've been having a new ad every day. Then, you know, they would have a new ad every day for, for the sales part as well. But then the traffic was so cheap, the return investment was crazy, you know? And a lot of people engaging with the content got to, you know, reconnect with us, re-engage with us, etc. If you haven't been on the site for like 170 days, you don't even remember us sometimes. So it works pretty well obviously they still need to have the cookie which it's a bit of a bet at 170 days but uh, it did work well for us so these two things work really well and for the autoresponder version the evergreen version if you work with negative audiences you can do it one off and essentially let it run which i like so how do you pass the people there like how do you is there an api or how do you pass them no, after three oh, days okay. i mean what you do is you say when people have visited your thank you page for like opting into your email which I oh so you do it based on the thank you page because that's yeah. what they would click on okay so you don't actually pass site, your custom audience to it if you did the whole site then they would reset every time they go back on your site right so you need a specific page that people go to only once um, that they click on from your autoresponder uh, all that they get redirected to after opting in for an opt-in pop-up from a con upgrade or whatever I think that the two things that you said that I thought were really powerful and it's so awesome to hear is number one, set up things that you don't have to keep messing with, right? That like the beauty of the internet is that it keeps working when you sleep, right? That's why we don't open like a restaurant or a retail shop. So that's, I I love that you do that, like setting it up with the international ads thing or doing it with the retargeting based on the, the certain pages. 
to evergreen ads. The other thing that I think you said that uh, was really a good reminder for myself as well is like, I think so many marketers are always looking for the new people and the new people and the new people. It seems like what you've really, your suggestions are really like focus hard on the people that you already have Mm. instead of necessarily always trying to get more. Yeah, I mean, like that's how you compound your traffic, right? It's like, imagine if you can bring most people back and then you have modest new traffic from, say, Google or people showing your content. Run that business for three or four years and you have a lot of traffic, you know, at that point, you know? Dude, just keep talking. Give me more ideas. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking notes. This is shit I'm going to do. Yeah, so, I mean, that's how we run our stuff. Like, most of what we do is, like, we get the cold traffic from SEO, then we just engage them, and then it just compounds over time. And we never need to pay for cold traffic. So, our business model is a bit, it's kind of like the opposite from, like, digital marketer, for example. You know, they buy all their cold traffic to their site, and then they engage. Like, we actually get the free traffic, and then we pay to get them back, essentially, again and again and again. I like it because the retail investment is very high. Like, revenue numbers, definitely not as impressive as theirs because they do massive ad buys, etc., uh, Who are you prof- talking about? Uh, digital marketer, Ryan Dice, etc. Yeah, what about it? Well, they they do most of their cold audience acquisitions through paid traffic. So they're okay. going to buy a lot of ads. They're going to do like it's massive media buys and they make large numbers of sales, but they also spend large amounts of money in advertising. Whereas, you know, for us, it's more like that, like slow, steady growth from free traffic with very cheap paid ads to get them back and re-engage people again and again. And eventually, you know, your costs compared to your revenue are like extremely, it's extremely good. Like you get an amazing return investment, essentially. And you can bootstrap that in, it's a lot easier to bootstrap that with low budget, which uh, I think the audience appreciates. The, the two things that I, I, not two things, but I think one thing that I, I would just uh, disclaimer for people is like what works for you may not work for others. Mm, true. Right. So like with AppSumo, we spent over three million, I think, in ads. And with Sumo.com, with our marketing tools, we've literally spent, I think last year we spent about 300, 400,000 in ads mm-hmm. and we got back maybe 10,000. Okay. It's been one of maybe 50,000. It's been so, so bad that it's just like, you have to go and figure out what channel is really your like focused channel. And I think that's one thing I see with marketers too often is that they keep doing the channel that works and the channels that don't work instead of like reducing channels that don't work like ads. So we're doing less of, and for us, content has done really well. So we're hiring more people for content and then all of our ads now, the spend goes towards promoting just our content. Yeah, but that's what we do too, you know? Like the only time we promote a paid offer is when we have a, a launch, which is like two or three times a year. But we're running ads all year long to just engage, 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 and then eventually sell when we have a launch. So uh, it's actually the, the mix of content plus paid ads that works really well. Then you grow your audience, like you get them to opt in, you get them to join a push notification list, or you just get them into your retargeting list and then you can do the engagement essentially. Yeah, love it, man. Cool. Let's do the conversion hacks. Yeah, yeah. I just want you to go. You go. <laughs> so good. Okay. I just like now I'm going to try to see if I can imp- try to beat you. But the, oh, you're two for two. You know, we'll let people decide. Like they can they can comment on the podcast. You know, I think you have some some good ones as well. I think this one is a little bit less original. I'm going to talk about abandoned cart email. And the reason I actually brought it up is because I checked it out on Sumo Me, right? I'm using Sumo Me on Health Ambition. And so I was like, I'm using the free version, right? Um, and so I went on to pricing, I went to like upgrade and they asked me which site I wanted to upgrade and I went to the checkout page and then I looked at what you guys did and not much actually, like I didn't receive any kind of email, didn't get any kind of retargeting, etc. For us, the one email that makes the most money every launch is the abandon, the cart abandonment email. It's always like a five figure thing that, and it's an automation that I set up in like 10 minutes. It's one email that says, 
hey, if that person went on a checkout page and two hours later is not on the buyer list, then send that email saying, hey, I noticed you went on a checkout page, but you didn't check out. Is there any issue I can help you with? Otherwise, here's the link to finish your checkout. And I resend the link to the checkout page. And most of the time, people just click and check out in the end because for whatever reason. Oh, we have the live chat on the checkout page as well, which allows them to talk easily if they want to. And, uh, you know, very often people reply like, oh, but like uh, I tried, but my credit card didn't work or like Stripe blocked me, whatever happens. You know how checkouts work. A lot of people drop off for really weird reasons or they were in the bus and they couldn't check out because, you know, it was their stop and then they forgot and so on. And so two hours later, we do it really quickly because I want to keep them, like I want to, I want to email people when they're really warm, when they were like really considering it. And two hours is like, well, you know, maybe they were waiting to go home or something, but two hours, I estimate, is a good one. And people that were already interested in buying, they're kind of happy that they get reminded. I expect some people will not be happy about that, but the truth is Amazon does that like crazy. Every time you put something in your basket on Amazon and you don't check out, you're going to receive an email like uh, within six hours, I think from them with like, hey, you have all these items waiting in your in your basket, click here to check to one click checkout. And for us it's worked really well. If it works for Amazon, I expect for a lot of people it's gonna work really well. And you could also couple that with retargeting as well, like just retargeting that page essentially. And then what have you noticed like what's been the results of that? Like do you know how much more revenue do you make or like um, conversion or like what have you for, noticed since doing this launch, but the launch so launch before like revenue roughly i think we made like 250,000 each like really roughly and i think the revenue from the the Calabama email was around like 7% of that so 7% more money yeah. just sending a card abandonment email yes so I'm not so, saying it's like it's going to change your business forever, but like 7% more money for an automation you can set up in 15 minutes, I'll take it. One thing about that that I would recommend is if people are like, well, I don't have a fancy thing and I'm not as smart as Gael or good looking, <laughs> you can just manually email people that haven't bought. So one yeah. of my favorite things that I've done for sales is that I'll email a lot of people who opened the email, clicked the email, but didn't actually buy. Mm. I'll do this really simple email that's like, yo, I saw you click it. I saw you open it. I don't care if you buy it. I just want to know why you didn't. And that's actually been one of the most powerful emails I've ever sent because it'll tell me exactly the words they use and the reasons they didn't buy. And then the two things I do with that, number one, I'll go update the page because obviously they were interested, but they didn't take action. And number two, I'll actually make a lot of sales out of that because they're like, hey, well, I didn't think it had this. And I'm like, actually, it does. And so that's been helpful. One thing, uh, just a, the two other tips, the one I wrote, one of them that we do with Sumo is that after someone buys, we email them within the few days after they buy. And what I think most companies do is that they get someone to buy and then they're like, all right, cool, we got their money, see you later, peace out. And I think what you have to actually do is the opposite of that is you have to over make sure they're getting the value from your product that you promised them. And so there's trade-offs, like a restaurant, they can figure out right away, but the internet, you kind of just see this email address, like babygirl48 at Hotmail and you don't, that's all you know. But in a restaurant, you could see them. So you got to, I would say, show the value that your product's getting and then check in with them pretty quickly. We do it in seven days, but you can do it in three or in two to be like, hey, how's the product going? Did you have any questions? And we will respond to every single person. I found that helpful. Those are the two that I wasn't even planning on telling. The conversion ones that I was planning on telling, uh, it's two things. So this is kind of the silly one, but you have to look for patterns of or anom patterns and or anomalies of things that work that you weren't expecting. So I'm advising this guy named fitflyshaker.com. It's like this shaker for your gym. So you can carry protein really easily. 
And so he sent a survey just asking people like what they do at the gym. And he said, hey, if you do the survey, I'll give you a discount at the end. And that was his biggest sales day ever. And I was like, what the is going on? And what I realized is that people just want to feel engaged and I want to feel connected to a product and understood. And just from him doing a survey, learning more about his audience, they actually were wanting to buy the product and just doing the survey kind of uh, was a catalyst for that. So if you haven't surveyed or kind of communicated with your, your audience in that manner, I would explore testing that out in the next month and seeing what kind of results you get from that. It doesn't even have to be a discount. It just could be a way for engaging and potentially selling a new product or a previous product. Yeah. I like it actually. One thing I just wanted to note to mention about that is, um, especially for new bloggers, right? New bloggers that don't have a product, don't have anything. They just have a little bit of an audience and that's it. One thing that I found particularly helpful when we started some sites and we started having a couple of hundred subscribers. So something you can do pretty easily is having an email that says, how can I help you? Or like, how can brand help you? So like, how can health ambition help you? And let people reply to that as well. And that, First of all, gave us a lot of ideas for products and how to monetize the site when we were just producing content. And second of all, these are like still very engaged people, especially the people that replied. Like they're like, they're still opening the emails like years later and they remind you of that email you sent them, et cetera. And for some reason, the fact that you leave it really open, the people that reply, it builds incredible engagement because you essentially, you're the person listening to them and in a world where everyone's just shouting, you know? I totally agree. You know, at Mint, just to share one of the marketing things that we did for surveys is that we actually use that to segment our audience. And I think, you know, you can read Ryan Levesque's book, Ask, which I haven't read, but I've heard good things about, which goes into more detail about it. With Mint.com, what we did is that actually helped us create our VIP customers that we used to say, how do we build the product? How do we use our messaging? What do we do promotion? So we basically were like, hey, if you fill out the survey and then we'll actually give you VIP access to our features and our different things we're working on. And people want to be a part of something, right? And if they like who you are, your product, they actually want to know more. So segmenting in a survey is a great way to be like, oh man, these are the like my real true fans. How do I work with them more and help them more and, and vice versa? The other one I was going to say for conversion is usesumo.com. <laughs> I'm not going to go into more of that. But if you want to grow your email list, check out our tool, sumo.com. It's free to use. And we're, we got some crazy shit coming out. I'm I would say it's like, you know, when you compare to everything else that's free, I'd say that's the best suit out there. No. I'm not going to talk it anymore. All right. I do have one bonus thing, man. I I was like, I wanted to make this amazing for your audience. I have two for influence because you guys are authority hackers. You want people to help hack becoming an authority. And some Mm -hmm. people look at me as an authority on marketing or starting businesses. So I kind of have, I have like four tips around that. If you wanted me to do them. Go for it. Is that cool? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Well, I just thought for your audience, I mean, they want to be authorities. I'll just tell them exactly. I, yeah, I think they want to. That's why, that's why they're listening. Like we're like 50, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're 50 minutes into that call. If people are still here, they definitely want These to. These are the here, serious no? ones. These are the ones that, uh, that we really love. So here are five, actually. I got a bonus one for you. I had four, and then I'm going to do a bonus of influence. Here's number one, and I just I learned this two weeks ago, and it's something that I've implemented and I really like, is go meet one new person each week and put that on your calendar. So every Wednesday at five, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, or an amnivert or a unisex, we don't care. But that's a way to build your influence one at a time and make an effort every time you meet someone be like, hey, who's just someone I should connect with and have coffee with? So like when I've gone to new cities, I email the person I know there and be like, who's one person that's interesting? Bring them to lunch or introduce them to me. And I found that to be a great way to build my network and my influence and connect with great people. So put it in your calendar. Number two, and I've done this recently, I just started this about a month ago and I've really liked this one, is I send one physical letter weekly. And so I'm just writing a letter to someone either I want to meet or someone that's already a customer or someone that's a friend, just thanking them or telling them I'm thinking about them or just something funny. 
and that's a way that like people aren't really used to physical mail anymore. <laughs> like you don't really get a letter from anyone. So it, it sets you apart if you're looking to connect for influence, if you're looking to connect for a partnership. So write a letter once a week. Number three, I started a business called Sumo Jerky and now I'm starting one called Sumo Gum. So for the people, are you showing the video? Uh, no, I am not actually. <laughs> so this is like my prototype for Sumo Gum. And then this is number version two. And so basically I'm showing people how to start a physical product business, mm-hmm. which is a, a caffeinated gum company. And I did this before with a jerky business, a subscription business called Sumo Jerky. And that was where people were like, holy shit, Noah can actually show to start a business because I didn't use any of my contacts or, or network. But if you're looking to get influence, prove it by doing something in a short period of time that people are like, damn, that's really impressive. So showing an example, not just like talking about it. Number four, copy user onboarding. So if you want to have influence, just go critique and like if you're a designer and you want to be a famous designer, just go review specific websites and redesign them and keep doing that once a month and people will start knowing you. If you're a marketer, go critique people's marketing plans and show how you'd improve it. And if you guys, if you don't, so especially if you don't have creativity necessarily, just go look at what others are doing and then just review that, let them know about it. And then people start looking to you as the, wow, this guy really knows influence. You can always do interviews. That's an easy one to get influence. Um, it's a bit of a hack, actually. This one really is a hack. It's like, I know a lot of people, like, they're nobodies when they start and they just get the right interviews and then they're like huge authorities like a year or two later. It works really That's well, actually. Just by, and you know, I think the higher level thing with there, and I did that accidentally. So when I was 25, I didn't have any connections and I just emailed people and I put on a conference and similar to the interviews, if you host people at a conference, if you host people at a dinner, if you host people at a small event, if you host them through an interview and, people, and you share their messages, People look to you as the expert. And I think that's a, the psychology of that is unreal. Yeah. But just because you are a hub. So think of the, the phrase, how do I become a hub of a specific thing, a specific niche or industry? People will look to you as the expert just because you are the connector of those people. That's especially true if you're in a niche where you're not necessarily like a recognized expert. So imagine like if I personally wanted to become like a health authority, like I am not a doctor and Probably, and it's unlikely I will ever become one, right? Yeah, you never know. Well, it's unlikely. But what you know is that I could just go grab all these fitness models, etc., and just interview them and talk about their diets as the newbie that, you know, I would be in the shoes Ooh. of the listener, you know? And then if I did that for like two years, I guarantee you I could show up at some fitness conference and people would know who I am. And that is really powerful if you, if you are not an expert and it seems quite complicated to become one. Yeah, I think one thing you said there that I really, a lot of times when you're talking, I'm just, it's a good reminder for myself and I'm just repeating it for your audience because I don't know if they heard it. You can hack a lot of this stuff and I think you've given amazing tips. I think I've given good to great. I really love yours. One thing, flatter people genuinely and they they generally, they normally like it and I'm genuinely <laughs> flatter. I was but actually I, wondering, I, I was wondering if it was, if it was a tactic as well and then you were going to reveal it at the end no, or something. <laughs> No, if you had shitty tips, I'd be like, that was a tip. You, you, you should say. <laughs> but, no, yeah, they were really good. And if it wasn't good, I wouldn't say it to you. I think people need to be more honest with their words or more uh, clear and true. But one thing you said there that I really resonate with is that if you're looking to be an authority, like you have to realize, like I've been blogging for, it seems you guys are like, oh, Noah, yeah, I know him. I've heard of this guy. I've been doing this 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Right. Like I've been on I've had OK Dork for 17 years. Right. Like I came out of college in 2004, but I've been logging since 2000. And so I'm obviously like I want you guys to learn all the things and, you know, uh, shortcut a lot of the things because I can teach you that. And Gail's teaching you that, too. But you have to also realize that, as Gail said, you got to put in the work. So if you want to be famous in the you know niche health space, 
like go and put two years in of posting once a month or once a week consistently to actually get the result. A lot of people are like, do it for a month. They're not famous, but they read an article how someone else did it and they're disappointed. So I think one thing, just to repeat, like put in at least a year to really expect significant results. That's the number one reason people fail. It's like, it's easy to work hard for a week. It's hard to work hard for two years. And it's like... That's the truth. My mom does a watermelon diet (laughs) where she only eats watermelon for a week. And I'm like, mom, that's not sustainable. And I get it. You should do some challenges or some exercises as a catalyst to getting things going. But like sustainability and persistence over a long period of time is where true success really comes from. Yeah. And as I said, like I'm getting emails every day and I'd say that's the number one reason people fell along with kind of like being sucked in the marketing hype of new things coming out. You know, it's like, oh my that's God. what I explain to people. It's like the job of bloggers is to publish new stuff, right? But your job as a reader is to filter <laughs> it and have critical sense. And if you can't do that, it, you're going to really struggle because you're going to change business model every two weeks, you know, and, and then you can never make anything work out essentially. One thing that I think a lot of, I don't know where a lot of your audience is, but for the people more in the beginning of it, what I've really noticed is that people starting out always try to do like they'll copy the tactics that we've talked about today. Mm -hmm. And I would discourage that. What you really need to be doing is getting the business working and fundamentals working. Like, hey, I have some customers, I have something going before you're like, well, I need to throw in retargeting and Ryan Dysman has said something else and Neil Patel and Noah and all these other guys are saying stuff. It's like, no, make sure people want your product, figure out basic stuff. And then you can kind of start doing a little bit more of the advanced things. And I think people enjoy the idea of some golden bullet really solving the problem. I always want the bullet. You know what I'm saying? Right. I want that like, we all want it, like but, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward too. But it's frankly, it comes, oh, excuse me. I was going to say like end of the day, like how much of your time do you spend on these things? Like for me, that's less than 10%. Like most of my work is like, you know, working on the product or like building a call sales page or sales funnel. And to be frank, it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but you know, people look at online marketing like these golden tips and you work 10 minutes on your laptop and people are just sending me money on PayPal, you know? Yeah, it's that easy. It, it only took me seven years to get AppSumo to where it is and now Sumo.com where it is today. Well, you're doing pretty well. Like, I mean, it's, it's AppSumo was like the number one place where I was, I was buying all my stuff when I started it, like, I think it got a lot of people started. So I think that was, uh, that was definitely a good one that was helpful to people actually. Well, the one thing with AppSumo and, and your business and, you know, and Sumo.com, our, our new software business, what I think, what I've not think, what I've noticed that most people do is that they don't look for what's working and they don't do more of it. Mm. So for AppSumo, we didn't really do ads. And then, and I was like, oh, ads, I spent $400 our first month. And then my advisor was like, yo, is it working? I'm like, yeah, we made $800 from those 400. He's like, are you spending more money? I was like, no, <laughs> because 400 is a lot of money. He's like, dude, double it. And so we just, then, then we did a thousand. And he's like, did it work? I'm like, yeah. He's like, do more. You know, you obviously have to drive the speed limit, the speed that you're comfortable with. I would say push to the limit. And that's one thing I think a lot of people are doing a lot of things and not then saying, all right, well, this one's working. I'm going to go do a ton more of that. And uh, I think that's what, you know, it sounds like for you and for me, uh, have helped us get a lot of success, which is be aware of what's working and what's not. And yeah. I mean, it's on the things that my friends that built that $1 billion valuation company, you know, figured out a couple of years ago and just were able what to... What did they do? Or like, what were they, what did they notice? Literally, like, like the, the co-founder was like, we were, sure, we were walking in the same living room. Like they had a good product. They were really good at sourcing very, very good developers. And it was like, well, we need to figure out sales, which is, you know, the challenge of selling a service is figuring out the sales. And literally he picked up AdWords for dummies 
And he, he built a landing page on unbounce.com and made a tiny profit. And every time he was profitable for a week, he was doubling his budget every week, right? So he's done that for like, like they've done that for like several years now. They've even built their own like predictable, like ad- analytics that predicts whatever revenue is going to come in next week, et cetera. And it's been insane. It's like a doubling down every week, not every month uh, that they found something was working essentially. You should check them out. TopTal.com. They have like some of no, the no, best. They have some of the I didn't realize they were marketing. that popular, but that's amazing. Yeah, they're, they're really big. Like they, they have a lot of investment, etc. We actually have a podcast with the, the founder where they talk about how they built their blog, actually. So check it out. <laughs> All right. I think, um, I think we're going to wrap up this podcast, I think, because we are already calling for a while. Unless you have any final tip. Also, do you want to tell people where they can find you, where they can find your podcast, the name, etc., so uh, they can follow you? Yeah. If you're looking for marketing tools, go use sumo.com, go to your email list, appsumo.com, which is a weekly daily deals for entrepreneurs. And if you want to learn more about me, go to okdork.com slash podcast and you can subscribe to that and a lot of marketing tips and kind of conversations with Gail and fun things like that. <laughs> lately, I've been doing challenges. So like my new challenge lately has been 5 a.m. So I get up at 5 a.m. every day Oof. to kind of see how uh, how life goes. And I'll tell you, it's awesome. So I've been kind of experimenting with things like that. I can do that in the summer because like it's daylight, but like in the winter, like that would be difficult for me. Especially yes, here, like night is 4 p.m. here. Sorry about that. Night is 4 p.m. Yeah. And for me with that, it's more uh, during that when it's a nice day out, I want to be outside exploring. And also it's quieter. I've noticed. Mm. I've noticed at the 5 a.m. there's no one up. There's no one awake. I can just get like my, my peak productivity at that time period. So just been experimenting with it for a few weeks. Okay. Well, I might trade out this summer. I'll tell you how it goes. Don't might. Can you commit to a week of it or don't? I've, All right, I, kinda I'll, try, I try to remove the word try from my, my verbiage. I'll do it in the first week of June. I'm putting you on it. So, hey, do you want my actual strategy? So Go for it. Uh, I put out an article about it on OK Dork. I think it's p- slash podcast slash six. But two things that you got to do. So, one, you got to have a specific days you're going to do it. And two, you got to have someone accountable. And three, you need to have a consequence. Yeah. So what days and then what's your punishment? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark does the same thing for his weekly goals, actually. So Mark has to donate like $1,000 to a charity he hates every week when he doesn't meet his goals, actually. How often does he actually donate? He's a couple times a year. Like he's like, I'd say like he's been donating like 10K last year or something like this. <laughs> something like it's, it, it does happen. Like we've set pretty challenging goals. But yeah, hmm. he, he does that for himself. And uh, essentially, yeah, there's an escrow button and someone else presses it when he doesn't meet, meet his goals. What's the charity he donates to? Well, I might make enemies when I, if I say what it is, but I'm going to say it anyway. Yeah. So Mark is a hardcore atheist. So he is donating to the Creationist Museum in Kansas or something like that every, oh. every, time, every time he fails his goals, essentially. So yeah. I think that sounds awesome. I hope Mark fails. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, I got to rock. It's been really fun. Thank you for having me on. No problem. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training. 